Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion 9. everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoop, Bing Bong, and Johnson. Wah, wah. It was a week of losses, Johnson, and it was not fun. It didn't I would say. feel very good, no. especially this last one, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, but we'll start with the Baylor game. WVU falls to Baylor at home 77-68 to at a very exciting and... Uh, you know, ready to rush home, shove dinner in your face, and watch a 5 p.m. tip, which was yeah. just ridiculous. I mean, just, when when all of America always watches basketball, right, at 5 p.m., that makes sense. On a Tuesday. Like, what what are we doing? <laughs> right, like, right. I, I don't understand. This is, the, and you know, and it's, and uh, Baylor, one of the top teams in the country, the Big 12, the top conference in the country, which we'll get to later. Uh, I don't understand why they have this stupid tip-off time. And how much does does that tip time, Scooty, affect the team? Well, uh, college kids are kind of unfazed by a lot of stuff. That that probably doesn't bother them, other than maybe that's like the time they eat. I don't know what time they eat dinner, but maybe that's that would bother me. Maybe that's an old man thing to think about. Like, I think about, man, that's in my dinner time. I mean, yeah, you're blue plate special guy, so it's like 30, 3.30, you're eating dinner. Yeah, so. so that that would bother me. Well, this was annoying, though, Scoot, because I think we we knew we needed this, this home win. We needed this home game in the middle of this murder road stretch. And, like, to me, every time we play Baylor – the Coliseum helps. I feel like the, you know, there's like a sixth man there. So that to me, it was like just super annoying. 5 p.m. People are still trying to get in from work. It's you odd know. that it started before a JV high school game would normally start in the state of West right. Virginia. Yeah. They started on. at six o'clock. Right. WV is like, going to play at five. They're, they're like right. the freshman team. Doing? They're going to run the freshman team out before the JVs. WVU, though, I will say, like, they, this game never really got out of hand at any point. Like, no. West Virginia stayed in it for the most part. I mean, we were down, what, four points at the half. And, and you know, obviously, uh, I think the last minute is, you know, one of those situations where they just, Baylor just pulled away. The score kind of looked a little worse than I think it was. Malik Curry Johnson continues to impress. Yeah. And I think in this game, you know, it's funny because Scoot, like two shows ago, I had said that I felt like Kedrian Johnson was evolving into, a, you know, a point guard that I felt really comfortable with. And I felt like when Kedrian came on the floor, it seemed to calm things down. Now, these last two games in particular, and it kind of started, like Guido's saying in this Baylor game, Malik Curry, now I feel like you have to have him on the floor. He's the only guy creating. Um, against Baylor, I think he led uh, – I know he led WVU. I'm not sure if he led all scores, but I think he ended with uh, he ended with 19. That was two games in a row he had led the team in scoring. He, you know, he kind of picked up where he left off creating against Kansas – in this home tilt against Baylor. And I, I thought it was cool to see. I, I, I'd i like to see more, but it's funny how now I've gone from, I was starting to put a lot of confidence in Kedrian. Now I feel like I need Malik Curry at the one. Yeah, I think the difference is, Scooty, for me, is Kedrian and Malik Curry are two different kind of point guards. Kedrian is a look for the pass, look for the guy, try to make, you know, try to get Taz to get open, try to make, you know, somebody else open Malik is a shooting guard like Malik is a creator he wants to shoot the ball he wants to drive and so for me Scooty that feels like 
that's like the biggest difference between the two of them. Yeah, uh, Kedrian's a defensive guy for sure. Uh, I don't really. I mean, this is. Uh, listen, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna wax poetic here. I'm gonna say it like I think. I don't think he brings a lot to the offensive table. Um, I get a little nervous about his shot. Um, he has been better as of late, whereas Malik Curry does feel better offensively. Um, Malik Curry was the guy, though, at Old Dominion, so it, it's taken a little bit longer probably than maybe we would have liked for Malik to kind of f- fill that void or step in, but I think a lot of that is him just trying to sift through a team that was already established, and he's trying to like see where he fits in right. and not step on Taz or Sean McNeil's toes. And and it's tough because you know a lot of teams will run uh, you know a small forward, a, a power forward, and a center. We're running pretty much four guards, so it's a different uh, mindset too. And I'm sure maybe that was different from Old Dominion to here as well. Well, I think the hope is, and I, I would assume Huggins, the hope with him, and the hope is, is that Malik shooting and playing like he is will take some defensive pressure off of Taz, off of Sean, and allow those guys to maybe get open more, uh, you know, to, 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 to free up. But it doesn't matter anyways, Johnson, if that happens or not, because if you can't lay the ball from five feet in into the basket, you're not going to win a game. Yeah, super frustrating lately. We've been like, I feel like everyone on Twitter is like, hey, make a layup. And I think it was Keenan Cummings. I, I got a link to it in our show notes. He he put a stat up and he's been following it now for a couple games. He put out there that in this game against Baylor, WVU was seven for 22 in quote unquote shots at the rim. So, you know, I mean, we're going to generalize layups, but really anything around the basket right now seems to be kryptonite for this team. And I I don't get it. It will get to Texas tech, but it kind of extended into that game. And I think it's one of those things where in a game where, you know, like you said, Guido, the box score 77, 68, you lose by nine. This game felt a lot closer than that. And if you get, you know, what half a dozen of these layups back, right. You're in, you're in good shape. So it's super frustrating. Well, and, and not to, I guess not to rain on any parade. uh, One of Baylor's, Better scores was also out for this game. James Akinjo, who averages close to 14 points a game. I guess he's traveled around a little bit, was at Georgetown for a couple of years, then Arizona. He's one of these, probably these, taking advantage of the COVID stuff, and he's now at Baylor after a year at Arizona. And so if he plays, does that factor in? I don't know. Um, maybe it's not as close as it was. Right. But uh, it's – it's frustrating to watch because I think, uh, and I've seen people talk about this on Twitter, we were spoiled. We've been spoiled. Um, I think if if you look at most Twitter fans, they're going to go back to that, uh, whatever that year was where we had 13 wins total, where I think Dennis Kalichlo was probably our leading scorer that year, and Hug said, well, I'll fix it, we'll make it better. And he's kind of going that direction now with a lot of his talk and a lot of the quotes you're seeing from his post game press conferences. The the problem we have though, and I'm going to say this, he, how long is he going to coach for? Like how many, how like you can't, I, right. He can't afford, or we can't afford to have him have, okay, well this Three is years a, of rebuilding, right. Or this is a, this is a, a nothing year. We've got to move on and right. you know, we're building for next year. We're really not building for next year because we have seven seniors. There's nothing really in the pipeline 
to help us build. I think the difference, I think in basketball, you know, as opposed to football, I think the difference is, is that rebuilding or, you know, building for next year is a lot easier than Well, it, it can is. be done quicker, yes. Yeah, it can, it can definitely be done, be done quicker. quicker. The problem I think we're going to have, though, until we really start recruiting high school seniors is, as a fan, we don't – it's hard to get attached to guys – that are here for one year. It's hard to get attached to guys or even figure out who some like I'll take my wife, casual fan. Um, she watches every game, but there's times now we're still midway through the season and she's still trying to figure out who wears what Jersey yeah, and who's that guy, who these guys are. Yeah. Whereas when they're high school seniors and we have them for a couple of years, she go, Oh, how come he's not doing this? Or where's he been this, this year right now? It's like, Oh, this is a guy that's on our team. I didn't even know he was there. So it's let me ask you, tough. Let me let me ask you guys a question here. Do you know what this podcast and the Baylor basketball team have in common? Any any guesses? Um, they're led by guys named Scott. <laughs> well, well, no, oh, that's a that's a perfect. That is accurate. That is, I mean, kind of, but I don't think this podcast is led by a guy named Scott because my name's not Scott. But uh, <laughs> that's another conversation. I think you're outvoted for another I think you're day. Touche. Uh, uh, come on! Any guesses? Any guesses? Um, why, why, any any real guesses? Um, uh, they both appreciate Chip and Joanna Gaines. Uh, no, again, I think that's wrong. No, they they both they both both this podcast and Baylor, yeah, uh, basketball team, men's basketball team, have transfers from Fairmont State University on oh, their teams. Okay, yes. So uh, you know me, Guido. Spend a year at Fairmont State, then transferred out. Okay, uh, and also Dale Bonner, who plays for Baylor, was Fairmont State's leading scorer last season and transferred to Baylor and actually saw twenty four minutes of playing time in the Coliseum over the weekend uh, for Baylor. Not usually, he doesn't usually get that much playing time. Like Scooty said, uh, a couple guys out helped him get some more playing time. But Dale Bonner uh, last year in the MEC uh, averaged twenty two points a game for Fairmont State, the Fighting Falcons, and he's now playing for Baylor. thought that was an interesting little fact that- No, uh, that is interesting. Nobody really talked about. So WVU, though, guys, loses a tough one to Baylor, uh, stays in it, you know, not, you know, it didn't look, it didn't look h- horrendous, I will say. No, not at all. But Guido, I, I think the problem then becomes, I feel like as soon as this game ended, we were on the text machine bracing ourselves, right? Because the problem in this conference- mm-hmm. Is now like Scoot was saying it last week. You know, you you go on the road, and you get blistered at Kansas. Your reward is to come home and play the defending national champion. Well, tell them what they've won, Scoot, when they leave the Coliseum. <laughs> now you have to go on the road to friggin' Lubbock, and you got to go play. Uh, you got to go play on the road against Texas Tech, who I think I guess at the time we're playing them right now. You know, they've probably already moved up, but what nineteenth. I guess, and and oh, by the way, just beat Baylor uh, in you know the recent few games. So, you know, now you immediately feel like you're on your heels because that that's easily going to compound in this conference, and and so we rolled into Texas Tech kind of like licking our wounds a little bit, and this was a tough game. Yeah, I, we have a tough time with running an offense, and. We don't have any games where we can build confidence. With we have got some guys that need some confidence building games. We don't have time for that. We've, well, can I ask you something, Scoot? Because that you just brought something up that I wanted to get to. So I feel like that's a good segue. So, tell me what you think about this. So, 
I, you know, when, when Mike Casaza was here, he said, you know, we talked to him a lot about football that episode. We, we, before he got out of the building, we asked him a f- few basketball questions. And Guido, do you remember he said, um, you know, if you're bad at offense, then don't offense. Yeah. Right. And I, that stuck in the back of my head, right? Because I'm watching this game. I hadn't really thought about that quote until I'm sitting watching this game, especially in the second half. And I'm thinking, we shouldn't offense. Like we just shouldn't offense. And right. and I think it's interesting when like uh Gabe spends a lot of time at the at in the middle of the key yelling at Polly Polycap on where he's supposed to be on the block. A lot of times Kedrian or Malik spend a lot of their time at the top of the key waving the wings around, you know, like so I guess my what I'm getting at is if it's if it's September and you're playing the marathon oil team and I'm seeing a lot of that. Okay, whatever. Like it's early, right? Right. Scoot, it's mid January. And am I supposed to believe that whatever we're cause I honestly, I'm this is, feels a little salty. I don't mean to be so negative, but like number one, I don't know what offense we're like, I haven't identified yet what offense we're trying to run. But number two, whatever it is, there's obviously people that don't know like every trip down the court. I feel like there's air traffic controllers like with <laughs> well, the ball being yeah. like, you're supposed to be here. It's like when you help, it's like when I've helped coach fourth and fifth graders and, and, and you're like, <laughs> Kevin, no, now you go through Stevie, you, you passed it. So where are you supposed, you know, like, and I get it. That's not what's going on. I, you know, look, it's easy to just criticize, but I'm not trying to be so salty, but part of me is like, like if if it's this difficult, then don't do it. Like don't offense. Yeah. Like if you suck at offensing, then don't offense. Do something else. And so, friend of the show, Josh Witt from uh, Unnecessary Proposition, Unreasonable Thoughts. I don't know. He has a podcast. Josh Witt, friend of the show, uh, to actually talked about on his podcast uh, a little bit about WVU and offensing. Not so good. Uh, passing the ball is a problem. And. WVU right now, there's what, 350 Division I teams, I think, there, something like that. Okay. WVU is like 312th in assists <laughs> right now, in assist percentage. That feels like, about right. Well, and, and that's a problem. And Hugs but even Scoo, said. But, Scoot, don't you see that when you're watching? Like, what do you make? You've helped coach plenty of teams. Like, when I see these guys getting waved all around all over the place, like, I get so, some of the best laid plans fall apart, right, as soon as uh, you're in the heat. But it, I they like look- to think – I am maybe the the best unknown middle school boys basketball coach in the country, <laughs> um, and and I've since retired. Uh, At because, least in Ohio Valley. So um, for me, and again, this is just a, a middle school mindset here. Hey, my best teams were t- were teams that we didn't run offense because there are too many things, too many working parts and moving parts that have to go right for your offense to work. And, you know, if you've got one or two guys that go the wrong direction or don't do, don't set the screen when they're supposed to, that pretty much makes that offense useless. Yeah. You've just torpedoed the whole enterprise. My best teams, we, we pressed, we would have, I had guys that maybe um, couldn't process fast enough to run an offense. So, but they were athletic enough to realize see ball, get ball. So we would run out. We would, we would have layups after layups because we pressed, we stole the ball and we went back up for layups. We didn't have to worry about working a half court offense. That's what this team looks like it needs to do. 
Yeah. I don't know why we're not doing because it. Because the ability's there, right? I mean, they obviously, look, they've all got the ability, but when you watch an offensive set, it looks like a lot of people that are not really sure what they're supposed to be doing, and they're not comfortable. It's obvious they're not comfortable with it either. So we should say WVU loses to Texas Tech 65-78 in Lubbock. And I agree with you, Johnson. It's like, and, and, and here's my question for you, Scooty. Like, how much of this is the fact that a lot of the team, a lot of the guys that we're relying on, the Malik Curries, you know, the the the, the uh, Polly Polycaps, the Diamond Kerrigans, they're all guys that transferred in. They didn't, but you look at it and you go, well, you say that, but then you got Sherman, Bridges, McNeil, Kedrian. They all played together last year. They all they've been it, together for a while. Yeah, but they were they had roles, right? And the roles have all changed. If you think about it, Taz, didn't start. This is the first time Taz has really started for us. Right. He started a couple games last year, I think, because of necessity or injury or illness or whatever. But he was a sixth man. Um, it's it's an issue because the roles have changed and we don't have that calming veteran leadership that can say, hey, we've been down this road before because, like, I'll, yeah, I like Malik Curry, but he's really not been down some of these roads before. Like, this is his first right. time going down these roads. He's not had to deal with the the Fog Allen. He's not had to deal with yeah. uh, that historic Gallagher-Iba right. or right. whatever historic. it's called or uh, that uh, Hilton Magic. But, Scoo, too, I, I'm also nibbling around the edges of, like, look, in this game, Sean McNeil is in witness protection for a lot of it, right? He gets up seven shots. He's 0 for 3 from 3. And personally, I don't think seven shots is enough, especially three threes when we know what he can do. And and so what I'm getting at and, and what I wanted to see what you guys thought about, too, and maybe people listening, you know, tweet at us, what do you think? But I, I spend the whole game thinking – because I can't discern what the offense is, I also can't figure out why we're not and, and look, it's easier said than done, right? But why are we not trying to run Sean McNeil off of screens? Why are we not trying our darndest to get him out? this off whatever offense we're running doesn't work people into open shots. He has to create so for for Taz, that's still kind of okay, right? Because Taz is amazing at what he'll do in very little space. But Sean, this game, they blanketed him. Like Shannon, which who Scoot made me laugh the whole game, saying it looked like he had Christmas ornaments hanging in his hair, right? He blanketed <laughs> – he made it super hard for Sean McNeil. I'm not saying like it was easy, but he can't – he can't end the game two for seven. I mean, he just, well, he can't. The problem I see with our offense is twofold, right? So um, we don't really run an offense. So that's an issue. Now Huggins will talk about the post game, how if guys, he, he drew up a play or he drew up an offense and they've practiced something and guys still don't want to run it. So if they don't start running what he tells them to run, no, you're right. They're going to be off the team. And Guido's going to get to it, but he said specifically that they didn't run one of the key sets one time. Yeah. They didn't run it one time. He said if that you they practiced and it was a weakness of, of Texas Techs and they didn't run it and he doesn't right. understand why they didn't run it even though they were told to run it. And so Sean McNeil, we're, we don't have an offense that looks to get him the ball. He's a spot-up shooter. I mean, he can get to the basket on occasion, but he's a spot-up shooter. We're not really... He, he We should run offenses like Reggie Miller for him, right? He's like a Reggie Miller. Right, yeah, exactly. So we don't do that. And... I think this team should press and and not try to run an offense and he doesn't fit that either, right? Because his foot speed isn't isn't great. So if we were to become press Virginia, there's very little 
very little action for Sean McNeil just because I don't know where he fits in something like that. He's not quick enough, and that's not a slight to him. I mean, he's a great player. He's just not – foot speed isn't there. But this goes this goes back, Scooty, to the problem, and, and, and you're not wrong. I'm just saying that – and I agree with you, John. Like, it, this isn't going to be a defensive – for some reason, this isn't really a defensive oh, they're, team. Their rebounding is atrocious. Rebounding is abysmal. It's showing not to be an offensive team. We're going back to what was happening when we were doing the 13-win non-conferences games that we had, which is we're relying on – Taz took 30% of the shots that WVU had against Texas Tech. And so we're going back to relying on Taz, and all every team is going to watch that game, and they're all they're going to do is they're going to come in and lock down Taz – and yet we still try to push it to him. Well, and here's the thing, too, Guido, that was frustrating. And I know I harp on this all the time. But so against Baylor, JB gets up 12 shots. Now, he goes three for 12, so that's not good. But I still like I still like when we at least see people being active. Like, he was getting shots. He was taking shots. Do you know what he was against Texas Tech? Two for four. At which <laughs> So he made two of his four shots. So the frustration for me is maybe he was primed. So maybe Sean can't, you know, Sean's two for seven. Maybe JB was primed to have a good game. But I guess, and I'm not trying to sound like a broken record, but like maybe if this offense ran through where it opened shots up for guys, maybe JB gets more shots. Maybe he's four for eight, six for 12. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know, but it's like the, the offense doesn't promote guys that want to be on the perimeter to get shots and so it makes it really difficult for people that can't create i think right now that's why we are suddenly feeling like malik curry and taz are the two dominant scorers because in in this lack of like movement and opening up shots they're they're the two kind of creators on this team for me I think one of the big one of the big issues or i guess like the elephant in the room is Isaiah Cottrell, right? So Isaiah starts, Isaiah sees time in the beginning of the games, and then often he kind of fades into the sunset uh, in just about every game, really. No, you're right, Scoot. In this game, he only logs 14 minutes. And and what happens there is, I think, to be honest with you, I think he's playing out of position for him. He's 6'11", so your mind says, this guy's a center. He's got to play down in the low block. I don't think that fits his game. I feel like he's got a more similar game to Jalen Bridges than he does. Now, maybe he's not the slasher that Jalen can be, but he's definitely got the outside shot and the range that Jalen has. So I personally, now again, I'm not Bob Huggins with 913 career wins or whatever that number. What's that number, Guido? Is it 13? <laughs> you are not. You are not. Yeah, okay. something like that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, middle I, school was successful for you. I mean, we had a couple think... of great years. We really did. <laughs> I mean, we just tore them up. But I would, me, I would probably start Gabe as that that post player. Um, you're not going to get a lot of offensive production, but right now you're not getting any offensive production out of Isaiah Cottrell. So what's it going to hurt? Right. So I would I would put him there, and I think Gabe's a better passer to be honest with you. So I would put him in that post. And then bring Isaiah in as maybe relief for Jalen. I don't know to give us a little bit of a mismatch. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, but Scoot, I I would just challenge back though that remember when the trendy thing at the beginning of the season. Remember when we all had as part of our vocabulary this five out offense. Right. Remember. Yeah. Remember not, when that yeah. was like a trendy thing to talk because I think we thought 
people like Isaiah, JB, I, you know, if, if, this if it was going to be a beeline esque team, right. we're and not like, cutting, we don't cut to yeah, the basket no. for anything. Like there's no cuts, no. but here's my question guys. Like, so at this, you know, we're now what two and four in conference. We be the, you know, our best win is against a team, a haggard, really like strung out, you know, K state team. Uh, you know, we had, a, who should have beaten Kansas this weekend, by the well, way, a K state team that has actually had a couple of, you know, a K state team who hasn't looked that bad, but they just did. They had seven well, they had players. Seven players they, they didn't have a coat. I mean, shoot. They had like a, right. a guy that, uh, I don't know, puts the jerseys in the lockers helping coach. Like, I don't <laughs> right. know, he was like, he was the second he was the number manager two, right? or something was coaching. Yeah, equipment manager was, but here's, here's my question though. At this juncture in the season, you know, we've got Oklahoma coming up. We've got that sec big 12 challenge with Arkansas. And then we face Baylor again. Are we, can you make changes at this point? I mean, we're, do we learn how to offense at this well, point in the in the season? I think I'm more interested to see after Huggins' post-game press conference, after hearing yeah. his talk there, I'm kind of curious to see who's not on the team or if they don't play, is that who he was talking about? Because um, he was kind of calling some guys out and he's already kind of at that mode where I, I'll fix it. If they're not going to do what I want them to do, then they're going to be gone. I don't know why they're here kind of stuff. So then you start looking at the roster and I think I sent you guys, I know Johnson, maybe I texted him on the side, but I think I sent it to you guys both. Like you look at some of the guys that are on this team and haven't been playing much. Seth Wilson. Um, mm. You look Senny, at Senny, Senny Njai. Uh, I look at Scoot uh, Senny, especially because of his size and our need for size is especially interesting to me. Right. I mean, right. Uh, Jamel King here lately hasn't played much. So like, I wonder who is he directing some of these? Yeah. Senny Njai, six, six, 10, six, 11, big guy. Now, granted, I will say this. I feel like Senny Njai um, got recruited to WVU because of a couple reasons. One is size Two the program that he was a part of in high school, he didn't really start or play for Huntington prep. He was on the team. So it didn't surprise me that we didn't play him much last year, but my hope was, and you've heard in the past where, Hey, Senny's really getting, you know, putting it together. He's really starting to step up. Well, we're not really seeing that in his, what would be second year, sophomore year, really uh, of college basketball. And he's six ten, six eleven, just a big, tall guy. At the very least, right. can he block some shots? Can he just be a rebounder? Like, don't worry about the offense. Yeah, just be something different out there. Right. Yeah, and Guido, I think for for me to answer your question, I don't think we learn how to offense, but I do think it will be interesting to see. I I think it's easier for me to see hugs coming through and making good on these on these statements about some major changes. I I can see that, and I can see guys like cementing player t playing time in minutes maybe that we haven't been seeing or at least more and i think for me it's going to be interesting to see because you're not wrong right i mean that you're you were just saying we have oklahoma and arkansas coming up but then the scary thing to me and i, I mean this is this is we know this right because of this conference but after that we go right back into a stretch of baylor texas tech iowa state and oh by the way now you got to try to beat mike boynton a second time i mean to me i scoot said this on the text machine i think yesterday or the day before like you start to be like <sighs> Where do these wins come from? You know, and I, I'm not sure. By no means is there anything like challenging or questioning a Hall of Fame coach in his decision making or his coaching style or hot seat talk or any of that kind of stuff. But 
my question about Huggins at this point is, is there's been a lot of talk this season. There's been a lot of Huggins talk. He comes out of this, you know, Texas Tech game and he says, he says, we need to grow up. If you can't make a free throw, then get in the gym. If you want to be a part of the team, you got to help the team in some way or another. And if you're not helping the team, then why be there? Those guys that don't want to help, why are you here? So if you're going to spit fire, let's see something. Like, I get, we've, and we've talked about this on the show before, Scooty. Like, we've talked about coach speak, and we've talked about, you know, if guys aren't doing this, then they're going to have to run suicides in the gym or whatever. A lot of this, a lot of this goes back to how, how, college athletes and athletes in general have changed right so i coached high school soccer for 16 years i was a varsity coach and the kids that i coached in year one i had to coach differently than i did in year 15 16 right the kid there's there's different they change yeah there's there's so many other things that kids can do so if i rip this kid He's probably just going to say, screw it, I'll go somewhere else, or I'll transfer, or I'll quit, or I'll I'll find somebody else that's going to play me that's not going to rip me daily. And that's unfortunately the mindset of a lot of kids. So some of the rhetoric that we hear, I never use that word, and I feel like I'm like on, uh, I feel like we're on uh, some sort of uh, news broadcast. Wordle lately? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, A lot of the rhetoric we hear from, from Huggins is like you said is is shallow in the sense okay if you're gonna say it let's see the action behind it then and and today's kid if they hear it they're probably gonna tune it out right and a lot of times right uh you know he says this stuff but let's say he's let's say we're three guys on the team and he says this about us well guess what i'm gonna say to myself he must be talking about those two guys you two guys because he's not talking about me and until you start really calling people out by name or, or by action, guys just kind of tune it out. They're like, ah, oh, this is just coach getting getting mad again. Yeah, and and Scoot, I, I'm gonna, I feel like I'm gonna prime you for this one. But like, how how do you think at all the assistant coaches are roped into that too? Because we talk about it all the time. Like sometimes these, just hear me out for a second. But don't you think it's odd that if you took hugs, if you didn't know anything about about the program? And you just took Hugs post-game comments, quotes, like that Guido just read, like that one. You almost get the impression it's like a guy that, if I didn't know any better, I would think, well, he didn't recruit those guys. And he's not necessarily calling the play. You know, like, right. to me, there it almost feels like a disconnect. Like, when, when he says they didn't run it one time, does that also, like, is that also looking down the bench, like, we got to coach better too. Or like, I don't know. To me, it feels weird when you listen to hugs talk sometime, it's like, he's now got to make, uh, like my grand, you know, like people, I've heard people say like, make, make chicken salad out of chicken crap. You know, it's like, he's got, it's like, uh, he's suddenly, he's suddenly like, well, now I got to make something out of this that you handed me. Well, and I think, I think it's, it's interesting, right? Because, um, hugs, now has had the same staff together for probably close to 10 years. Yeah, I mean, almost, his, almost his whole tenure at WVU, right? right? Um, there's maybe been a little shifting where a guy might have been uh, like director of basketball operations, and now he's on staff and he's an assistant coach. And we had Billy Hahn at one point, and he has since retired. But well, really, like Jared Calhoun right, went on he, to a coaching He's really staff, one of the few like people that. that have left. The rest have all been here. So – it's interesting to me that I think because of that, 
Huggins is very trusting of these guys. He knows these guys really well. So I feel like he's at that point in his career where maybe he's not as active himself on the recruiting trail. I think he goes and checks out recruits. I'm not saying he doesn't recruit, but I think he goes and checks out some guys, but I think he relies a lot on his assistants to get the guys that will fill the holes that they perceive they're going to have for the upcoming season. Now, maybe he was led to believe that, you know, guy A is going to be able to do this, but maybe in reality, guy A can't do what he thought he was going to be able to do. So I think there is some of that. Um, I, I think that there is some of, if you watch a game, uh, Huggins very rarely does the substitutions, right? It's mostly Larry Harrison mm-hmm. or so, an assistant coach. Larry Harrison. And yeah. I think other than like, hey, Tash Sherman just threw the ball to four different guys in the wrong color jersey, <laughs> then then Huggins will look down the bench and say, get him out of there, go go get him. Here, here's where I'm at with it, guys. And, the, and like again, not, not calling Huggins to court or anything. I'm just saying that like, I feel like we have spent half the season now listening to him at the end of the game, you know, when he's sitting with TC or when he's in the press room and he's putting the blame back on the guys. They're not showing up to the gym, you know. He did the whole thing about, oh, I look out in the gym and I see Juwan Staten right. and John Flowers yeah. out there, but I don't see our guys. And he's saying all these things, and I get that that's trying to motivate them, but now I feel like he has to, and this is kind of what we talked about with Neil Brown too. It's time for Huggins to take ownership of this problem. Is all I'm saying. And like I know a lot of a lot of people, a lot of WVU media and press step around him because he is Bob Huggins. He is a Hall of Fame coach, and it's we love him. But like I think that it's time for Huggins to say, okay, this is a problem. I need to fix it because this is my problem. This is my team. Well, it know, ultimately and- falls on him, right? So if somebody's done something, inevitably it all points back to him, even though he may not and, have actually And I think he said that. And I and I think that, you know, after the Texas Tech game, that was the feeling I got from yeah, me, you know, me his too. post-game interview. Me, me too. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not saying that he's not saying that. I'm just right. saying it's time. It's time for yeah. that. So WVU now, tra- WVU now plays Oklahoma in the Coliseum on Wednesday, uh, Oklahoma twelve and seven right now. Tanner Groves uh, and Gibson both average twelve points a game. Gibson, he's like forty percent beyond the arc shooting threes. Scoot, Emoja Gibson is another one of those guys that is apparently working on his PhD. It feels yeah, like, like how, like, like well, and he ha- he plays the games of his life against WVU. <laughs> that's right. Like that's I think right. he You're had right. like thirty eight points or some ridiculous number of points. <laughs> right. Like his previous high was like three. Like <laughs> like come on. Yeah. Let's not do that again, please. And then on Saturday, WVU travels to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to the Bud Walton Arena, Scooty. That's a great name. It is a a great name. I'm kind of excited. I like the uh, Big 12 SEC um, challenge. And I I read in an article that I think it's going to remain even once uh, Big 12 picks up several schools. So I'm kind of excited about that. I I mean, deep down, I wish we played more schools like that just because they're – I mean, Arkansas is not close to WVU or or West Virginia in general, but it feels a lot closer than Texas and, you know – Kansas and all these other places. Yeah, so WVU plays a uh, fourteen and five Arkansas team, um, and is it JD, JD Note? Uh, is their their number one score averaging eighteen points a game uh, up on the? We might have a chance as long as Corliss Williamson's not there. Well, but it's like this Arkansas team. You know, we note all these, uh, like I think you know Ken Palm top forties and stuff, and I don't I don't think Arkansas is noted in that, but 
they're 14 and five. Like it's not yeah. like there's, they're 40, they're 40, they're top 40. In like, there's no, there's no like, Oh, the, here's one where we can get our feet under us. I mean, you gotta, you're in a fist fight every game. So I think that that's what scares me about this upcoming stretch. You know, you're in the middle of a three game slide. Now you've, you've sort of got to try to repair the, the airplane while you're flying it a little bit. Right. It's like, and so that's, that's the last thing I wanted to talk about this segment guys. And then we'll take a break is so right now, WVU, uh, only three teams that they're playing, uh, for the rest of the season fall as we speak fall outside of the Ken Palm top 40 right now only three teams right now there's not a big 12 team that is uh 65 un, over 65 West Virginia is second to last in the Ken Palm ratings and right now they're at 52 and uh behind them just slightly behind them is Kansas State at 55 and then after that there's like no, all the big 12 teams are 55 or above in Ken Palm my question is is it possible, I, and I don't think it is, but is it possible for all of the Big 12 teams to get into the NCAA tournament? I mean, you have if you look at this, you're talking about 64 teams. Well, now whatever it is, 68 teams get that because yeah, they got the play-in game. Uh, you get all of these teams that get to play in the big in the tournament. WV, West Virginia is at 55 right now. If you look at the if if you look at the the weighted rankings, I think it's going to be really tough. Like I. I... I worry about our chances right now because it does seem like we're sliding down a hill that we can't. We're losing traction on very quickly. Uh, Joe Lenardi had us as a tenth seed. That's not a great feel, knowing that we've got all the games we still have left. Yeah. Um, I think we're gonna have a tough time now. I say this: if we can get close to twenty games wins, I should say twenty wins, we're in the tournament. But if we can't get to 20 wins, that becomes a little bit concerning. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things, too, Guido, for one, because of, you know, Mike Boynton and Oklahoma State are kind of getting screwed out of this season. So we know they can't make the we can't they can't make the postseason. But honestly, to answer your question, I think if that weren't the case, I, I think there'd be a push. You know, if they all beat each other up and and the bottom teams don't have a terrible conference losing record, you know, they're like all battling around 500 in conference. I think, yeah, I think there'd be a push to put them all in. I honestly do. And we lament all the time about the good old Big East days and all that stuff. And don't get me wrong, I still miss those days. But let me tell you, this Big 12 basketball, this season especially, I mean, this is good basketball. Yeah, it's a, it's a murder. These are I, good teams. I think it's definitely competing with – some of those be- the competition in those in those better Big East seasons for sure. I agree, Guido. I think the only thing is we just don't care about the right. little apple. Yeah, and, right. You know, agreed. <laughs> right. And, all right, guys. Well, listen. Let's take a quick break. We're gonna come back and talk a little bit about Big Twelve divisions and realignment, and I also hit on a couple of topics about uh, WVU football. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Vortec Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortecKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortec, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortec Knives.
everybody. Welcome back to Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoot and Johnson. Listen, don't forget, find us online. Look for us on the social medias. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter at Got Your Ears. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Got Your Ears On. Guys, a couple of things to talk about here. WVU, maybe not necessarily football related, but just overall sports related. And one is the Country Roads Trust, which is was announced this past week. It's a it's a name, image, and likeness kind of like team backing. Uh, kind of started by Ken Kendricks, who I'm I'm assuming uh, Ken Kendricks, owner of the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, uh, graduate of WVU. I'm assuming he uh, is you know kind of seeding some money into it and not you know, maybe his middle relievers that he probably should get for the Diamondbacks. But uh, Ken Kendricks now uh, has created this group. You've got Oliver Luck on it. You've got a couple of former players uh, in there. Um, Here's my, this is my question about this. So this is, you know, basically what this is, is this is a group that is trying to go out and help student athletes find sponsorships or companies to get them money. It's very similar to what 90% of the other schools. So, you know, kudos for WVU because they needed to do this because this is what Texas is doing and how all of their linemen are getting 50 grand a year and, you know, all of those things. My question is, is what does the West Virginia athletic department think about this happening? Because, now you have this situation where Ken Kendricks and his little group, well, maybe not so little, are going to go out and try to get money from this person and that person. And how much of that is money that would have been donated to the athletic department for, you know, upgrades to the Coliseum or whatever it might be that are now going, hey, you know what? Instead of donating to the university, we'll give to this group so the kids get the money. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know what the the ratio would be as far as like, well, I'll donate uh, 50% of what I would donate goes to the kids, 50% goes to the facilities or whatever. Um, I do find it interesting that uh, we've got this conglomerate and I'd, I'm, I'm just curious as to how much influence they will have. Um, will they uh, have more influence because of like, will they, will they make some, coaching decisions based on, you know, you know, I'm sure they're going to be working with some of these kids and let's say, you know, the offensive linemen don't seem to be very happy and they're talking to Oliver Luck about stuff. Does Oliver Luck then turn and say something to Shane Lyons? I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know how far reaching this whole group is going to be. Yeah. And I think it's one of those, I mean, with, with Oliver Luck being a co-founder and seeing, you know, people on the advisory committee like Scooch, you've got uh, Mike Gansey, which is like near oh. and dear to my heart, right? And your dad's, yeah. And my dad. He's, he'll yes. be happy to know that Mike Gansky's on here. And, um, you know, you've got like Pat, Pat McAfee, McAfee right. Daryl Talley, Jed Jerko, Deshaun, Pat White. I mean, Jerry West is on here. So to me, when you kind and they have. They have a nifty, uh, they have a nifty homepage, you know, where you can learn more. And I think what they're trying to set themselves up to do is, like, just sort of get out in front of it. I think Guido, I like to, so to to try right. to answer your question. It is confusing. I it's a really that you ask a really good question because I think it is confusing. But I think right now in this landscape that kind of feels like the wild west, that I think it's, I'm glad to see that they're at least kind of putting this like uh you know superpower team to at least get out in front of it and at least have counsel out here if they do have someone that 
you know, has the potential to really cash in on some NIL deals or, you know, they have the ability to really draw people in because of NIL. I think the worst thing, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'd rather see this uh, conglomeration come together and just sort of feel it out as they go rather than, you know, at the end of like 2023, be like, oh, we should probably get on board here with something that is, you know, a group that can help field this. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me. I think it's a lot of name cachet right now, like to get people's attention. I guess we'll right. have to see like what substance actually comes out of it. I think for me and like it's it, to me this whole and this name image and likeness from the beginning to me has been a very double edged sword. And I think that this is I think there are good and bad to all of this. And I think that, you know, the good part of it is and uh, I'd, I'd rather see a student athlete go to a group like this or be absorbed or however they handle it, you know, represented by a group like this, because I think that the name, image and likeness also opens a lot of avenues for student athletes to get taken advantage of, for there to be corruption. And there's going to be corruption like name, image and likeness is like setting up a lot of, you know, corrupt money. But on the other side of it, you know, and, and also for WVU, like. You need student athletes to think that they're going to be able to come and, you know, earn X amount of dollars because other schools are telling them that. Like Texas is out there telling everybody, listen, you're going to make money coming here. You know, all these all these power five schools are doing this. I think on the other hand, though, I start to worry about if you're a WVU fan, if you want to go and have some new features put in, a new scoreboard or whatever it might be put in at at the Milan Pushkar Stadium or something happened at the Coliseum or, you know, even for student athletes, if you want a new something on campus, I start to worry about, well, how does the university start to compete with this, you know, financially when money is starting to get funneled in other directions? Because there isn't an if an infinite amount of money out there. So again, this is, we're, we're so early in the book. We're like totally in the, in the prologue of what is going to happen with name, image, and likeness. But it's just a matter of like, how does this play out long term for these power five schools? Because it's going to start to push that separation more and more. And you're, you're going to see it with these schools going to the SEC and you're going to see it in all of these changes. Like what, what happens to the structure and the ability to recruit when a guy goes, well, I really like WVU and I like the coaching staff and the people. But boy, if I go to Texas, I can make 50 grand more there than I can at, in West Virginia. So. I, it'll be an interesting couple of years to see how this flushes out. Yeah, I mean, I tend to think I, I think it'll be somewhere in the middle because I tend to think those guys that were going to go to, you know, like you're saying, a Texas, I think they were going to end up at a Texas anyway. I mean, I don't think WVU is competing for a lot of those folks, to, to be honest, if I'm being honest. But I think I, I like this development and seeing this Country Roads Trust thing come together just because I think more and more that's going to be on high school graduates mind that's going to be on guys guys minds when they're trying to make a decision and if they look out here and they see nothing set up and they see no organization right. no consideration for nil or how it's going to be done then they're not going to um, even think yeah about then i here. think they to, yeah right they immediately cross you off the list is, so i is there anybody on the trust or not on the trust that you would like to see on the trust did they leave anybody out is there anybody that that maybe they could have added that they didn't. Add. Yeah, I mean th that's a good question, Scoot. I mean, I guess some names like Jeff Hostetler come to mind. Mark Bulger, I don't see them on here. You know, I'm trying to think of people that have gone on to have really successful um, professional careers, maybe. But I mean, a lot of our big hitters are on here, so I, I don't know. And they're probably going to be, you know, 
maybe they're going to continue to add people. I don't know, but um, it, I, it'll, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how this works out. A lot of these people, like you take Mike Anzi, Jerry West, you know, people like people like that, they're already in the inner work, you know, in, you know, Ken Kendrick himself. I mean, they're already in the inner workings of management of teams and personnel and operations. So I think it's cool to see those names there. I feel like some of the other names are more, you know, like, Pat McAfee. I mean, that's awesome that he's on there, but I think that's more of a, just to get like some recognition and like, you know, you know, add to it from that. Yeah. Like get, you know, that right. Right. Yeah. Like get it, get at it from that, from that point of view. Uh, in other news guys, a couple other things we want to talk about this segment, uh, big 12 announces, or kind of like softly announces that they are starting to discuss with these new schools coming in, splitting the Big 12 into two divisions. Um, so, and we kind of all knew this was going to happen. I mean, right now they're saying because between 2023 and 2025, there are going to be 14 teams. So we're going to have two seven division teams. Now, I still am a believer that Oklahoma and Texas will find a way to get out early and they'll pay, you know, whatever lump sum they need to do to get out. But even at six teams, we're going, or even at 12 teams, we're going to have to split into two divisions. Um, just really early on, it's just really interesting to hear what people have to say. Dennis Dodd uh, from CBS Sports sort of broke the news, and he put out his projected divisions, and I almost vomited him. I did. I vomited him. That's gross. I have to be honest with you. It, it was bad. Because he so he has, first of all, I have a problem with the fact that they talk about the Big 12 North and the Big 12 South. I don't know why it has to be North no, and South. I don't me know who's either. thinking Well, but North can I South. just, like, can I butt in a second there, Guido? Because I think this this Dennis Dodd article is, it's a good article. Like, you, I read this whole article like, oh, okay, yeah, it's really I good information. This is cool. I'm glad to hear this. You know, he's talking about go ahead and split it up in such a way that even when, you know, Oklahoma and Texas peel off, you know, it do, you just keep drawing trucking with your established divisions. Right. I'm like, oh, okay, this is, I like this. I like where this is going. Then at the very bottom and what you're getting at, he just sort of goes here. It, it literally says, here's a projection of one way the Big 12 could right. organize. And true. I think what you're getting at is the same thing I'll echo. He then proceeds to give the worst two division breakdown that I can think of. <laughs> it is. It, it is, is horrible. North South so, is in, 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 in case you haven't seen it, in case you haven't seen it, Big 12 North is Cincinnati, BYU, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, who will be gone, and Oklahoma State. Big 12 South is West Virginia. University of Central Florida, Baylor, Houston, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech. Like, okay, first of all, like I don't want to travel to Texas that much. Like, I I just don't like Texas. I gotta be yeah, honest and, with you. I don't like Texas thing, that much. Guido, I don't want to go there. Scoot, I'm I'm gonna direct this almost right at you because I feel like you and I are gonna be on the same wavelength. It's like the only thing to happen to this godforsaken football conference in a decade, the only interesting thing to finally happen and now they're going to put us in the Island of Misfit Toys division of this thing. Like, if this is how this goes down, you talk about disappointing. Like, the. Well, the geography teacher in me says 
Morgantown is north of Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For, yes. Uh, like, and what? On top of that, Cincinnati's three hours from Morgantown or less. Why are we not in our state? Why do that's a natural, right. it's a it natural just, geographic rival. Like, let us build that rival. It, it, it's so, it's so dumb. It Anyways, reeks, I know that it it's reeks not how it's going to end up. And I know this is the Homer in me, but it reeks of they put this together and then they went, oh, we got to put West Virginia somewhere. Just, I don't know, just throw them over there. That's what that, <laughs> it, it's like, it makes no uh, sense. I will say, I will say Brad Howe, who, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the five guys, whatever, before drinking the game podcast, but the, uh, Brad Howe did say something funny on last week's podcast, which is if WVU plays in that division, do they win the Texas 5A state championship? <laughs> that That's division? what it feels like. like. Is that how that works? Um, I thought that was funny when he said that. I, I mean, there's no way they can separate these divisions and not put UCF, West Virginia, and Cincinnati in the same division. Has to happen. Has to Which, happen. What's crazy, to, and, and I agree with you, how crazy is it, though, that UCF, which is not close to West Virginia, is exciting for us because it feels like it's a lot closer yeah. than Lubbock, Texas. Yes. yes. Like yes. it's not, it's probably, right. I mean, I don't know the mileage, but it's might be farther away than Lubbock, Texas. I mean, I know there's a lot of alligators in central Florida, but I would be more excited to go to central Florida than I would be to go to Lubbock, Texas. Yeah, who doesn't love Disney world? Right. Well, and my, my feeling right now is that if this were to play out like this, it would just sort of be salt in the wound to me. It would be like, fi- finally I, but something I feel like that Johnson. I feel like we're setting ourselves up for that. Like, I feel like that's, what's going to happen It's like, the Big 12 is going to be like, ha, 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 we got somebody three hours from you, but you only get to play them once every four years. That's what I feel like it'll end up being. Well, And like, look, I'm going to be a little bit selfish here. I, I know people have mixed uh, emotions about BYU now being in the conference, but it, like one of the best road games I ever went to was at Colorado when, when we went out to Boulder. That was such a fun game. I had a wonderful time traveling out there. You know, just being in Colorado was super cool. I So part of me, when I saw BYU there, that would be a cool road destination right so i would hate to not be like part of me wants to see that happen i think like you guys said cincinnati from so many people would get excited not about cincinnati but just the fact that regionally now there's someone to at least develop you know i can get in the car and get to cincinnati and go to a road game stuff like that so it would just really suck if this fell out in the fashion that Dennis Dodd has described it here. Yeah, it's 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 kind of ridiculous and interesting. A couple other little cleanup items here we want to talk about. One is Shepard quarterback Tyson Bajet uh, withdraws his name from the transfer portal, Scooty. And uh, kind of, I mean, no, I, I guess no surprise. I, I know there was a lot of talk when he was seen at the WVU basketball game sitting next to uh, Coach Brown in the stands. But at the end of the day, for him, this is probably the best decision and, he could well, make. Well, and I've, I've read um, that – we may not have actually even offered him uh, a spot. I, I don't know. I mean, we we offered him an opportunity to come visit, but uh, I also heard that he was interested possibly in Maryland, as well. And and they too um, either offered him a, a spot, but he would have to redshirt, or there was something there where I don't know that he would get to play right away. And maybe that's kind of what he was told here as well: is hey, listen, you're going to be competing with three other guys. You're, it's not just your job. Whereas he knows if he goes back to Shepard, it's his job. Well, and it's one of those things where he won, like, whatever the D2 equivalent to the Heisman Trophy is this past year. He's got another year at Shepard left, which he'll probably have a good shot at winning that again. 
a la Danny Woodhead. And he's already on the radar of probably a lot of NFL teams. And maybe he doesn't get drafted, but may, you know, maybe he ends up playing a little bit or or at least making a team. I think he's got a better shot of making it up, you know, progressing his professional career into a professional career if he stays versus coming to WVU or any other, you know, D one school and probably sitting on the bench. So uh, I thought that was that was really interesting to see him not uh, transfer. Other news, guys. One last thing to talk about: a uh, former WVU athletic director uh, Leland Bird passes away. Leland Bird, first ever one thousand point scorer for WVU, was drafted in 1948 to go play for the New York Knicks, but never did. Uh, and then he ended up coming back, and he was that athletic director at WVU for years um, and passed away in Morgantown at the age of 94 last week. So condolences to him and his family and the university on that one. Well, listen, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with a segment where Scooty goes out on the Internet and uh, digs around and mines for not Bitcoin but stupid stuff. So uh, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears Up. Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia-owned and operated company that specializes in heavy-duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior, the weekend warrior, and the outdoor warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. Hey, Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives, and when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25TOBRADIO for Tob Radio you'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. All right, everybody, welcome back to Got Your Ears On. Hey, listen, don't forget, check out our website, gotyourearson.com. Johnson, it kind of rocks. It does kind of rock, if I do say so myself. We put up each... Uh, latest episode with all the show notes uh, links you can click on you can click on the latest tune in link to listen to the show right there in the sidebar of the page and you can also click through to the merch store where you can buy uh, GYEO merch that helps us support our donation to the Hugs Fish Fry so check it all out yeah check it out got your ears on com. Well, every week, Scooty goes out on the internet. He's got a little canoe and a rowboat, and he just kind of like paddles around until he finds <laughs> something that's completely ridiculous. And it's a little segment we like to call, I can't believe my ears. What do you got for us this week, Scooty? Well, uh, this is going to be a topic near and dear to both of your hearts, maybe more so Johnson's heart than, oh, here we than go. others. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Johnson, you like... Tex-Mex food, is that correct? I do like Tex-Mex food, yes, I do. I think maybe some of the food you like isn't necessarily Tex-Mex. Okay. Uh, do you like a burrito? Yeah, I love a burrito. Okay, well, it's not Tex-Mex. Oh, okay. Did you not know that? Did you well, not know I mean, that it's not, uh, uh, A burrito is actually not even Hispanic. Oh, okay. Okay. And the reason why I say I that... I feel like you're about to learn me up on something I here, am. Scoot. Um, maybe you're familiar with Kim Jong Un of <laughs> yeah. North Korea. <laughs> okay, yes. all right. Yeah, North Korean. Uh, yes, dictator. I've never well, thought about him in relation to burritos before. Perhaps you were unaware that his father invented the burrito ten no, years ago. Oh come on, this is fake news. Ten years. Ten, ten years, years ago, ago, Kim Jong Il. I didn't realize that it was that. <laughs> I didn't realize. I mean, I feel like I've had burritos uh, for a Let's long see, time. I'm older than ten. <laughs> And I've had burritos <laughs> more than that. So, okay. 
I mean, um, there have been times. I, I mean, I think Black Bear Burrito in Morgantown yeah. has been around longer right. than Well, years. they didn't come up with the idea. Okay. I'm telling you, Kim Jong Il <laughs> did. The, hey, wait, hold on, guys. Does that mean Black Bear Burrito is maybe owned? Could by be North the, Korean. Ooh. Kim Jong Il. Yeah, could be North ooh. Korean. Uh oh, North um, Korean. The yeah, Rodong right. Sinum. No, I take that back. The Rodong Sinmon. Uh, newspaper, uh, which is uh, the government mouthpiece of North Korea, has reported that the burrito was thought up in 2011 by Kim Jong Il. Okay. Um, this was probably <laughs> right around the time where he—I'm uh, not sure if you were aware. I feel like but, this news organization is very new to burritos. Yes. Um, are you are you aware that Kim Jong Il also uh, shot 11 holes in one during his first ever round of golf? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he shot an unprecedented 38 under par on that on that <laughs> oh my gosh um, did he use a burrito as like his driver i mean Is that, that might have been his that might have been the the meal that got him to the the holes in one <laughs> sorry guido go on johnson can, johnson can we just talk about the elephant in the room what? here for a minute which is Scooty, are you related to Kim Jong-il? Because there's a lot of similarities in the way that you guys speak. You know, like Scooty's dunked a basketball hey. uh, over top of famous people. And, you know, there's a lot of like Scooty-isms in Kim Jong-il's kind of con- I, I mean, wonder I- if uh, Kim Jong took a charge from Rashomon. He, he probably and, did uh, not. I, I can tell you this much. <laughs> I did. And uh, it was a offensive See? foul for Rashomon. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, the uh, North Koreans invented the burrito. Um, oddly enough, the majority of people in North Korea can't afford to buy a burrito, nor can they op- they get the ingredients for a burrito. But in Pyongyang, um, there are some burritos to be found uh, invented by Kim Jong-il. So we argue about Kadoba, Chipotle, Moe's. But really, they owe everything. You're telling me they owe everything to North Korea, and I didn't. It's an even Asian know. dish. Yes, it's <laughs> yeah. an Asian dish. Okay, all right. So yeah, I I found that interesting. I thought that uh, this, like I said, this is a, a topic near and dear to to Johnson's heart. He does love a good burrito. I do. Um, and now uh, they sometimes will call it a wheat wrap. Of course, yeah. all right. But, of course. Um, Wait, who calls the North it Koreans? That? The North Koreans call it that. All right. Yeah. But they, Kim Jong Il invented it. Scooty, are you a burrito oh, guy? Oh yeah, I will, like a burrito. Will, will you, sure, you like sure. a burrito? Yeah, I'll yeah. get into a burrito. Okay. I feel like you gave that an extra wheat. Uh, wheat. Yeah. Wheat. Wheat. Wheat, wheat wrap. Wheat wrap. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Scoop, for going out there on the internet and finding us some North Korea trivia. I mean, and consequently, I'll probably be banned from visiting North Korea because it looks like I've been researching on them. I mean, you might now be a target for them. There might be a ballistic missile pointed I, right at your home. So much for authentic burritos. Sorry, Ohio Valley. I might be on a, <laughs> a watch list with Homeland Security now that I've been researching North Korean cuisine <laughs> you spend your day on the internet typing in north korean burrito and all of a sudden the fbi comes knocking at your door what are you doing son uh so anyways uh thanks guys for listening this week wvu has two games this week they play oklahoma on wednesday that game is at 8 p.m on espn 2 and then the big 12 sec challenges saturday we travel to arkansas to the bud walton arena 2 p.m that game is also on ESPN2, guys. So thanks for listening this week. We'll be back next week with another show. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. Got your ears on.